we have been going through this series that I believe has really changed my life. And it's about rhythms, and I've called it um, rhythms, learning the unforced rhythms of grace. And this is from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew eleven twenty-eight through through thirty. He uses this phrase, learning the unforced rhythms of grace. And for me, beginning to practice these rhythms since November has really changed me, has slowed me down. I have been practicing Sabbath on a regular basis. Uh, I have so much more peace in my life. I am doing things that I never thought was possible, were possible. And my friends are going, you know, I think I like this version of you. I like, I, I, we like Andrew 2.0 better than Andrew 1.0. And I, I like myself better as well. So um, I'm just really believing um, that as, as you walk through this with us, that you'll be changed as well. This is not just another sermon series. This is a sticky note on my focus living timeline that says things were different after this time in my life. And so I'm super excited to continue to share with you. Um, I did have two women come to me separately a few weeks ago, and they both said, I've got something on my heart. And so Catherine Redmond, who spoke last week and did so beautifully, if you didn't catch it, make sure you catch the podcast or the video cast talked about peace, and it's something we desperately need. But along the way, I also had Megan Eden in my ear saying, Andrew, I think I've got a message from the Lord, and it's about peacemaking. And I thought, oh, those two things sound like they go together. In the midst of it, it's also been tremendously helpful for me to have these two weeks to plan and prepare And I'm super excited because this week I finished up plans for the entire fall and into 2023 about what we're going to be focusing on and teaching on and have as an an emphasis. Now that might sound crazy to you, but I'm about to take a 12-week break. And when I come back, I want to know exactly what God is speaking. And he's been so faithful to show us. So I'm really thankful for the break. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Catherine. And uh, let me introduce Megan Eden to you. You've probably seen her before. She's been around. You were living and serving as an international worker, however, in South Africa for how many years? Six years. So six years. Yeah. And um, I know that Megan's passion and the ministry she's been doing is teaching counter-human trafficking curriculum, Mm -hmm. starting at age six, all the way through adults. And this has to do with prevention. It has to do with um, being able to identify when someone is ensnared in trafficking, a lot of education. And you've even been involved in the lives of women who have been, who've come out of trafficking as well, which I know has been life-changing for you to walk with people to see that kind of healing. She serves as the North American Coordinator for Justice Acts NGO, non-governmental organization. You're heading to Amsterdam this next month to participate in a six-week seminar with global leaders about counter-human trafficking to learn more about how to be more effective in this way. And we're getting her to preach now because she's actually moving to the Portland area, Portland, Oregon area in June, and starting a YWAM base and joining a counter-human trafficking coalition up there. She's also getting certified, if that wasn't enough, she's also getting certified to lead a debriefing groups of minors with mental health issues. 
So lots of important and I would say difficult ministry. So I am so glad you are my friend, Megan. I love your authenticity. Mm. I love how you wrestle with with things and you don't just let things go, but you hold on to them. And I like more that you hold on to people, Mm. that your heart is so big for us and that you embrace us even with our flaws and you're gracious with us and you hold your tongue and then you graciously introduce a new idea for us to think about. Well, that's at least with me. Sometimes I hold my tongue. I know. And, Not and, but, very frequently. But you are passionate about justice and anyone mm. who's passionate about justice will carry a little bit of an edge with them, which we need as the body of Christ. If we're going to live out the command of Jesus Come on. to love... Perfect love looks like justice. Is that? Yeah. Can I say that? I think, I, that, I think it works, do. right? Gaylord please. and I were talking about that yeah. this week. So, Jesus, thank you for my friend Megan. I pray that you'd bless her as she shares. God, I'm so proud of her. Uh, this, this loved one who's in our house, we're, we're so blessed by her. And so, in, in these moments, would you tune our ears so we can hear from a different a different place, a different mindset, a different set of giftings. So I bless my friend in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Megs. Amen. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, Neighborhood, for allowing me to be up on this stage. I actually didn't tell Andrew this. <laughs> You're welcome. I had a dream about 12 years ago that I was preaching on this stage. And that was way before I started going to Neighborhood. That was baby Christian Megan, all the things. But this is a very full circle moment for me, and I am soaking it up right now. And so thank you for allowing me to speak. And also before I forget, I had the privilege of teaching the youth group this last week, junior high and high school, and we talked about communion. Yeah, you guys are raising some incredible teenagers. I had the best time speaking with them. We got to, you know, talk about what the Last Supper most likely looked like. Like, it wasn't like the painting that we all know. We, you know, had pillows on the floor. We laid there. We had communion. It was a very, very beautiful time. So, well done, parents. You guys are doing a great job. So, I know that my life doesn't look normal. I know that everyone is not called to be a YWAMer. Amen? Amen. And so my heart with this message is for you guys to hear my words, but also to think about you taking them to the spheres of society that you guys have influence in. That we are not all going to go to other countries, but we all have families that we can speak into. Maybe we work at a school. Maybe we're involved in local government. Maybe we're in the entertainment business. Maybe we're sports, whatever. We are all called to walk boldly as peacemakers because that's our family business. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Suicide Squad. This is John Cena. He is known as the peacemaker. And I laughed a bit too hard when I did the Google image search for Peacemaker. John Cena was very much the first thing that popped up. And I was like, I need John Cena in my sermon. So you're welcome. 
world. <laughs> but if you know the movie, you also know that he actually really isn't a peacemaker. In the biblical sense, at least. You can see he's holding guns. He has, he's all shot up, all the things. And so now we're going to dig into what did Jesus call a peacemaker? And as a daughter and a son of the living God, what am I called to walk in? So before we get to the Sermon on the Mount, I want to take it back to the beginning and uh, start in a little Genesis. Then God said, let us make man in our own image and our own likeness. Then God saw everything that they had made, and indeed it was very good. We were created to be one with the Father, one with the Holy Spirit, and one with Jesus, because all three of them were present in our creation. Jesus was not plan B. I'm also, just to give you guys a warning, I'm also a crier, um, and so I might shed some tears because I do love this stuff, and it hits very deeply for me. So don't worry, I'm fine. I may shed some tears, and it's one of the reasons Amy Waldo and I are friends, because we do, we do love to cry. Kimberly Bruna said, God created us, marked us in his image, to bear his image in his creation. To not, own, to not be him, but to reflect him in our humanity. To be fully human was to live in right relationship, in right order. The Garden of Delight. The Garden of Eden. We were created to live in right order, bearing the image of God. Because we were made in his image, in their image. Okay, so now we're going to go to Sermon on the Mount, which is also known as the Beatitudes. And I love context. I love to know why things are in the Bible. What, why, why do they mean what they mean? Because there's so much about our society that doesn't mirror how it was back then. And so to get the full grasp of what it means, we need to know the context of what was going on. And so when Jesus was speaking the Sermon on the Mount, the societal pressures, normalness of it, it was all about honor. Who you ate lunch with, who you married, who you did business with, who you talked with, who you were friends with, all of that said who you were and your social standing. And if you didn't have the proper social standing, life was hard. People didn't want to associate with you if you weren't good enough. And people were always watching. I know a little bit about this because I grew up in a small town. My family is pretty well known in that small town. And if I wasn't acting like an Eden should act, my parents found out real quick. And so there was this, I, I know that mantle of having to be honorable, to having to be an Eden. Not that my family necessarily put that on me, but the society that I was living in put that on me. And so as the people are hearing this, they, are, they know that pressure. They know that, oh my gosh, I can't do certain things because 
that's going to look foolish. And why would I ever want to look foolish? Because then my life is going to get more hard. People are going to come into my shop to buy my goods. I'm not going to be able to sell my animals. And they're also still under the... Um, Oh my gosh, the word is totally blanking from me. Um, the sacrificial system. Yeah, the old covenant. Jesus hadn't died yet. So they were still sacrificing their animals and they still had all of these things that were on their brain. And then Jesus speaks the Beatitudes over them. And so think about that. Think about that pressure. Think about how their life would have been affected if and when they walked this out. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. God wasn't father yet. You had this guy who was walking around who called God Abba, but that wasn't for everybody. They were still in that sacrificial system of, I have to bring an animal to get right with God. And not just once a week, once a month. They had to bring him a lot. And it was an overwhelming system. And here is this guy named Jesus who was preaching. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And the word children that is used right there is the same word that God spoke over Jesus when he was baptized. That word children means the honored child who the, father, um, who the father believes in, who says, I know you well enough and I love you well enough that you are mature enough to wear the family signet ring, that I'm trusting you enough to do business on my behalf. That's what the children of God means in this. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. 
So as I was studying this and, and digging in, and honestly, I've been nerding out for like a month and a half, it has been an insanely beautiful time in my life. But that's when I realized peacemaking is a family business. Because that's literally what Jesus is saying right here. When we are peacemakers, we're the children of God. As a born-again Christian, I wear the signet ring of God. God trusts me enough to walk out and love his children. How much of an honor is that, that God trusts me to love his creation? Like, come on. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm usually the one that yells, come on, or amen, in the sermon. Ayo, come on. Come on. And so if you guys feel the need, because I know I'm going to say some pretty legit things during this sermon. So feel free to get your notebooks out now. They're going to be really deep and really good. Even live stream. Welcome. Come on. Get your notebooks out. Everyone is welcome. But I think, have we forgotten what an honor it is to love God's creation? Have we forgotten that every face that we see walking downtown Chico is Imago Day? They are the created ones from the created. They are bearing just as much of God's image, the Holy Trinity, as I am. Doesn't matter what they believe. It doesn't matter what choices they made the night before. It doesn't matter any of that. They are the created ones from the creator. And as a peacemaker and as a child of God, I need to respect that. And not only respect that, but I need to love that. That was a little tangent. That was not in my notes. Come on. <laughs> I love when Andrew says, come on, it makes my heart happy. So I've used the word peacemaker a lot. I'll define it now. One who is actively trying to reconcile people to God, to one another, and to the earth. Yeah. Thank you for that, George. One who is actively trying to reconcile people to God, to one another, and to the earth. Because we have a relationship with God as a born-again Christian. And you, that term, you can tell that I've been living in uh, Africa a little bit. Because there's Christians and there's born-again Christians. When you're a Christian, it's because it's your parents' faith. Or you're, you were, that's just how you were raised. When you were born again, that means you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so that's, when you're talking with people, that's how you can decipher what's going on. And how you can connect with them. I'll read it one more time. One who is actively trying to reconcile people to God, to one another, and to the earth. We all, I think a lot of times we forget the earth piece. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, don't worry, Jesus is coming back. We're getting a new earth. No worries. We can do whatever. Actually, 
Let's say I buy a house. I know I'm going to buy another one in 10 years. I don't need to do the maintenance on the first one. I'm getting a new one. Come on. Yes. There's a way that we can be reconciled in our farming. Not trafficking people to be our laborers is one way. In a very practical way. How we treat the earth is a very, very important thing. And it says a lot about who we are and what we've been called to. Because God gave us dominion over the earth before the fall. And yeah. I've also been using the word reconciliation. Reconciliation is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is shallow compared to reconciliation. Forgiveness requires one person. Reconciliation requires both parties. That is us opening up and being vulnerable and really getting in it and sitting in it and being with people, but not only sitting in it, a call to action to get up out of it and not allowing people just to be like, oh no, this is who I am. Eh, that's not who God says you are. Let's do this. Let's be accountable to each other. I should also say, peacemaking is not peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is a number on the Enneagram. <laughs> peacemaking is a biblical mandate that we have. I, should, I, I laugh when I say that peacemaking is in my triad. Like, that's part of my personality. I flow in that. But peacemaking run towards what's going on. It run towards the crazy. Peacekeeping says, no, I don't want to do something to upset this. Peacemaking gets dirty. And it is a humble life. It is not an easy one. It is, but it is a very humble life. The Beatitudes were controversial when they were spoken. Just that societal pressure of, I can't do that. People are going to judge me. Are they controversial to us? If we're really, really looking at them, are they controversial? Because I think they actually kind of are. I think we've washed them a little bit to where they're more generalized maybe than they should be. But if we really look at the meaning of what those things were, it would be controversial for the American church to walk in them. Being a peacemaker also um, means building bridges. As a bridge builder, it is my job to connect two spaces. As a bridge builder, I cannot expect people to come to me, but I need to do the things to get to them. Peacemaking, you kind of run towards things that aren't necessarily Christian, you know? And I was laughing last night as I was like typing that out because I, I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, that's sin over there. I can't go there. Sin isn't this gunk that you get on yourself, you know? You know, like the sticky stuff that like kids are making, 
Uh, slime, thank you. That gets in your hair. I've literally had to cut it out of a kid's hair before. That stuff doesn't leave anything. Sin is not like that. We walk in the boldness of God. We walk in the boldness of the Trinity. We're right with him. We shouldn't have to worry about sin. Sin's already dead. It can't get us. So run towards people. Run towards humanity. Run towards the things that maybe the church says are unclean, but you say, no, I'm going to love them. They are the created ones, so I'm going to go towards that. You know, it's funny when you, when you start talking about unity, a lot of things come up where people start talking about things that don't unify them. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh no, we're unified. Oh wait, but there, here are some aspects that you actually aren't. And a lot of times when people are talking about the church, they know what we're against way more than they know what we're for. Dang. Jesus is for a lot. A lot of goodness. But that's not what we're known for. I was, uh, sorry, I'm totally skipping around on my notes for the slides. You're doing a great job keeping up with me. I'm not going by my notes. Um, I was having dinner with uh, a group of friends who are called, we, we call ourselves the Soul Sisters. Um, I'm kind of a token Christian in that group. And so one night, um, there was just two of us there that were there, and we were prepping dinner. And it was before I knew what my next steps were going to be. And so I'm talking it out with my friends. And she's been in Chico for her entire life. She owns a business. She's on various boards around the city. And so I'm talking through. And at that point, I was ready to be a self-appointed community pastor at Neighborhood Church. You know, I was already thinking through the pitch of what I was going to tell Amy and Andrew and why they needed me. And so as I'm talking it out with my friend, she was like, yeah, like I drive by that gold dome all the time, but I don't, I wouldn't know who they are or what they stood for. And my heart kind of broke. It didn't kind of break. It broke because I know you guys, you guys love really well. I came here, started going to church like four years ago, came off the mission field, didn't know if I wanted to do missions anymore, didn't know if I wanted to follow Jesus anymore. I was a bit of a wreck. And you guys embraced me. And you guys loved me really, really well. And so my challenge for Neighborhood Church, how are we going to connect with our community? How are we going to get people to know who the people in the gold dome are? What would it look like if we contacted the farmer's market board and said, hey, do you guys need help cleaning up after Thursday night markets? What about Saturday? What events are going around town that we can just bless people? No matter if we agree with them or not, can you imagine that? You're like, oh my gosh, there are those token Christians again loving us well. How cool would that be? 
You know what I mean? Because I know, like, for me, when, I, when I'm struggling and I need a hug, Lori Wurlitzer, she is the best hugger and mama heart. I don't know how many times I've cried in her office, but she has loved me well. We can be that for Chico. We can be those peacemakers who are walking out in our community and loving people well. So people will know what we stand for and not necessarily what we're against. Thank you. Deep things, deep things, I know. Audrey Loud said, we have to consciously study how to be tender with each other until it becomes a habit. It's okay to study people. It's okay to not have it all together. It is okay not to know what to do. There's a lot of times where I'm debriefing because I hear insane stories. Andrew has said that I worked with uh, women who were coming out of being trafficked. I, I worked in, a, in a, the only government-sanctioned safe house in all of South Africa for a year. Granted, it is a YWAM safe house, which is so insane that we got government approval, but we have the one and only safe house. So great. But these women, I'm, I, I didn't realize I had a preconceived idea of what someone coming out of trafficking would be like. Those women blew me out of the water. The first day I showed up at the house, this woman just gave me the biggest hug I think I'd ever received. And she said, Megan, it's so good to see you. She'd never met me before. But she was so welcoming. And those women just, yeah, they're incredible. But I hear these stories of how they were sold into trafficking by their parents. One, because they couldn't afford food. Two, maybe they wanted some drugs. Three, they weren't a planned pregnancy. So why would they want to take care of them? These women had been left for dead in ditches. They had been assaulted in more ways than I can even share on this stage. As someone who grew up in Northern California to a really good family, there's a lot of times I don't know what to do. I, I can't connect, but I can listen. And I can be there with these people as they share their story and I can honor that story. And I can sit with them in this. And I can say, okay, Jesus, what do I do? What do I say? And a lot of times, it's nothing. It's like, okay, Megan, <laughs> you talk enough. Listen. And being with these women, I, I am a better human because of that. I am a better human because I listen. I'm a better human because I I love to hear people's stories. And so church, I would exalt you into doing that. Not that I do it perfectly. Dear sweet baby Jesus, I don't. But I learn more of the heart of the Trinity by connecting with people who don't look like me, who don't act like me. Some of my favorite times, the women were sitting around and doing my dreads. We were watching movies 
It was legit the best. I forgot what their histories were. And then they would just like say something. I'm like, oh crap, you were trafficked, you know? You just forget because they're my friends. I think our world is focused on division. I don't think, I know our world is focused on division. So let's be a people that is unified. Let's be a people that are peacemakers. That we are seeking that reconciliation of what the Trinity is saying over us as a church, as a family, as Chico. Because when we walk out those doors, we have the heart of the Father. And we walk boldly in whatever sphere that we are in. And we can call that out. It was pretty funny. I actually Googled how to be a peacemaker. Because I was like, I mean, maybe there's things I don't know. Like, I like to think I walk in it well, but maybe not. Um, And the first thing that popped up was how to stop being a uh, peacemaker. I was like, I did not see that coming. We have to know the heart of the Trinity. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Luckily, we have Pastor Gaylord who has displayed this beautifully for us. And we have talked about this verse over and over again. It's almost a heartbeat of this church, which I think is incredibly beautiful. As we love the Father with our heart and our soul and our mind, there's nothing that we can't accomplish. There's no barrier that we cannot run through. There is nothing that is too big. There is nothing that is too nasty. There is nothing that God isn't already in. Peacemaking is just partnering. You know? Holy Spirit's in it all. Jesus is in it all. God is in it all. And I just show up. We just show up. And we are honored enough to be a part of it. Like, how cool is that? So great. Jesus, at one point, was asked, who is our neighbor? And so that's when he started going through the story of the Good Samaritan. And I think, you know, we all know that, um, that story. A man was, you know, beaten, left for dead in the ditch. Um, The religious people legitimately walked on the other side of the road and said, nope, I got things to do. Too nasty. I can't get in there. The Good Samaritan stopped, not only stopped, picked him up, took him to a place where he could get care, and not only got care, but paid for and said, no, I'll take care of it all. I know this may sound cheesy. Let's be the Good Samaritan. Let's not walk on the other side of the road. Actually, I have a very visible representation of what that looks like. I don't know if you guys know a whole lot about South Africa. Um, apartheid, very much a thing. Uh, race stuff, still very much a thing. And so you have people 
that see someone that may not look like them coming down the road, they get on the opposite side of the street and they walk around. So I have a very clear representation of what walking on the other side of the street, and it is it's nasty. I actually had a YWAM leader apologize to one of our staff for doing that in the past. It was a very beautiful reconciliation moment. So the story goes that um, Jericho to Jerusalem was where the, how far the walk was. Do you guys know how long that walk would have taken? Any idea? Except for Andrew, because I know he knows the answer because we talked about it this last week. Two, yeah, it was eight and a half hours. So eight and a half hours walking. And so I thought to myself, let's see, if I get on a flight, where can I go in eight and a half hours? Legit, right? I can get to Guatemala in eight and a half hours. So if we're being technical, Guatemala, our neighbor. You know what I mean? And so I think when we start to think about things like this, it opens up our worldview. It opens up, okay, not my physical neighbor, but legitimately eight and a half hours away. And not that it has to be a hard, steadfast eight and a half hours, but that, that is the encompassingness of it. So I have done missions since 2010. I've been an international worker. Um, and at one point, I was, uh, I was a part of a team that was in Uganda, and we were in a refugee camp. And this refugee camp is probably like a mile away from the South Sudanese border. There was thousands upon thousands of refugees coming over to this camp every day. It wasn't even the biggest refugee camp that Uganda has. But as we were sitting in these houses, here's, there's, <laughs> there's a picture of our hut that, we, uh, the, that part of our team stayed in. <laughs> part of uh, our missions was free hugs at the good old storefront. So great. It was one of my favorite days. But we were sitting in these houses with the refugees, sitting on the floor, and if you guys know anything about overseas, you get offered tea and coffee a lot. That is a binding thing. Like, you, you get tea and coffee. That's how you build community. And so where was one day where we were drinking tea together, and this family was telling me the story of how they escaped South Sudan. I can tell you, I don't know if I've, at that point in my life, had ever heard anything so horrific that in my brain, I had to put it in, because I compartmentalize, I had to put it in as they were talking about a movie. Because there's no way that anyone could have survived. And the father of this family did not survive. But because they were from the wrong tribe that was in power currently there, they were beaten beyond belief. They were tortured. They were literally set on fire because they weren't part of the right tribe. And so as I'm sitting there drinking this tea, I'm just like, these are my neighbors. How can I love these people well? 
how can I take, and not that I need to give, because I think a lot of times we like to give. Sometimes it's not appropriate. What can I take from these people, these stories, that is going to make me better? How can I honor them by listening? How can I honor them by being present with them? And so that was very much a life-changing moment for me, <laughs> sitting in this hut. And at one point, I like looked at my leader, and I was like, you know, like, I think we should go pray right on the border. And he was like, Megan, you're a white American. They would probably kidnap you. So we're going to stay away <laughs> and not go actually to the border and pray. We can pray right here and intercede, and it's actually still the same, same. As a peacemaker, we see everyone that is on the same level. We know that we're all a part of the banqueting table. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a rich feast for you. For all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people. The sheet that covers all the nations, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears of all the faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from the earth. The Lord has spoken. Jesus quoted Isaiah a lot. It was kind of like his go-to. My go-to, Ephesians, but. If we ever get in an intercession moment, you will hear me bust out Ephesians 3 quicker than anything. But this is, this, this is the victory that we walk in. This is the goodness that God calls us to. He's already won. We don't have to be scared of anything. Nothing is too big or too dirty that God cannot handle it. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This isn't God trying to erase our diversity. This is a celebration of it. Are we getting out of our Christian bubble? Because it's pretty easy, and I, same, I'm, yeah, same. It's pretty easy to just do life as normal. We have normal routines. I get coffee at Bidwell Perk. I do the things. I know my people. But are we stepping out of our Christian bubble? This series has been about rhythms and quieting ourselves and really seeking God and just getting it in my heart is getting back to the grassroots of what Christianity is. And so as we do these things and as we become more familiar with these rhythms that we are building, peacemaking is the overflow of that.
because you get these rhythms, it's going to be undeniable that you are going to start walking differently, and which is going to be such a beautiful thing. Like, I'm honestly stoked to see what neighborhood is going to do and the beauty that is going to come out of this congregation because you guys already love people really well. I can see this place being a place of community that people flock in here. But we also need to be the one that build the bridges. We need to go. Part of my nerding out was um, looking at the lost sheep parable. And I think that there is a part that we usually don't really focus on, but I think for my heart, it's kind of the most important part. Um, And I'm going to paraphrase this. So don't call me a heretic if I get it wrong. But it says there's going to be a bigger celebration in heaven for one sinner that returns than for hundreds of people that don't know that they need God. Are we getting the people? The celebration of heaven. Can you imagine that's what that celebration would look like? I want to be a part of that celebration. Because I love to party here. It's going to be even better up there. You know? Like, let's, let's, let's do it. So I'm going to read Romans over you guys, and then I'll pray, um, and then I'll close out the service. So if you guys just want to, like, soak in, Um, the scripture reading as I uh, read it over you guys, I think that would be amazing. And um, yeah, then I'll pray us out, okay? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing to steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not seek a mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Jesus, thank you for this congregation. Thank you that they already walk so well in loving you. And I pray you would have a bigger measurement of that poured out over them. That as we do life, we would see everyone we come in contact with as Imago Dei. 
as the created by the creator. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be thick in this room and in each one of our lives. That we would be sensitive to what you are saying and that we would be quick to follow the instructions that you are giving us. Thank you that I was allowed to speak up here and the honor of speaking your words. So I say thank you for Neighborhood Church. I bless Neighborhood Church and say your kingdom come, your will be done in neighborhood as it is in heaven. And I say all of this with your insanely amazing name, Jesus. Amen. So if the prayer team would, thank you. So if the prayer team would come up, um, I think we're done. So thank you everyone, live stream. Thank you everyone who was in here. Thank you for my friends that came that don't normally come to this church. Um, and we will see you guys next week.